What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 22. This is Writing Excuses, writing for children. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dan. And we once again have Dean and Shannon Hale here as our guests. Thank you so much Wee! for being on the podcast. Hello, Shannon. You're so awesome. I love you. So we talked about writing about children. Let's talk about writing for children. Yes. Um, one of the things I've noticed that kind of blew my mind in having children was how much they wanted to hear the same thing again and again and again. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is kind of antithetical to what I enjoy in storytelling and fiction. Um, and yet some of the great children's series I've noticed will often just keep to a strict format, Matt, on purpose. Mm -hmm. Is this something that informs when you're writing for children, particularly the, the younger age? We... To some degree, to some I think degree. it does. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was I, I like with Princess in Black. That's the one that that's I feel like the one the most is were... formulaic. But but I feel like part of the formula is subverting expectations. Yes, and so that allows you to work within work some sort of you know doesn't become. Yeah, every book we're trying to think. Okay, what are the expectations for this book, and how can we kind of flip it? Yeah, mm -hmm. but we do have like the same kind of repeat where there's going yeah. to be a superhero moment. The there's going to be beats. yeah. yeah. Those. Well, just like any genre, really. I yes. mean, you know, you go to see a science fiction movie or a horror movie or a movie at all, and you kind of have certain, like, there's there's this kind of social contract between you and the filmmakers yes. that you're expecting. 
Right, where you get to cheer for certain moments. Being able to anticipate what's going to happen in a story is Mm -hmm. really fun. And it's, I think, deeply ingrained into us as, as adults. And as children, it's not there yet. And so when you start to be able to make that connection, when you can say, oh, this is happening. Like with my children, I can distinctly tell the age where they figured out that People always get in trouble in movies, but then it turns out all right again. Yeah. <laughs> and that took way longer than I would expect it. Like, I'd think, oh, you watch two or three movies, you get this. But it's usually right around, like, 10 or something, 8 to 10, where they're like, oh, wait. Things go wrong, and then they get better. Things are going wrong. The story's going to get better by the end, <laughs> and they'll be okay. And that was really revelatory to me that it took them that long, but just because they hadn't seen as much media. And it means more to them that they came up to that conclusion on their own rather than it wouldn't have been the same if you told them that that's what's going to happen. They have to just have that experience. I talked to a psychologist once about that very thing you were talking about. Kids want to, for example, wanting to reread the same book over and over again. And they said that um, they're going through something that that book is giving them comfort or understanding. And as soon as their brains have developed in that one little part where they need to, they click and then they move on and they go to something else. And so in terms of being a writer, I wouldn't worry too much about what what do kids need to hear over and over again. I would say, just write the story that's calling to you. Write what you wish you had when you were a kid and not worry about what formula do I need to Mm -hmm. design for a child. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And often the thing that the the child loves is not what you would have guessed anyway. Exactly. Uh, With with zero G, I was talking to an adult just last week, like he who had listened to the audiobook, loved it. What was your favorite part? Oh, it's when he goes outside of the ship. And I was so tense and so scared. And I thought something awful was going to happen. And there was a five-year-old. I said, what was your favorite part? He ate a cheeseburger in zero gravity. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, mm-hmm. okay. Yes. You know, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But don't leave out either of those. But I just yeah. remember, you know, because so often when you're writing for children, they're actually not reading it. The parent is reading it to them. Mm-hmm. And as a parent... I feel your pain reading some of those books over <laughs> and over and over again that that just aren't that good but are great for the kid. And But as a yeah. writer, you're like, how can I make this not terrible for the parents? So you mean like picture books and <laughs> the yes, younger yes, stuff? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest mistake that uh, writers make when writing for children, though, is writing for children. Mm. And because they think what that means is, Child means less or less intelligent adult. Therefore, I will take this adult story and simplify it so the child may understand. And that's not how it works. That's not the math that works. Um, you, you have to actually just put yourself into the position of the child and write the story that way. You can't start from the position of the adult trying to write down to a child. You have to be inside the shoes and then write forward. I always think of those books like those old, those Renaissance paintings of, of babies. Right. That are just like, like they have adult man yes. faces. <laughs> yes. yeah. So this is exactly. something that comes up a lot. And I think it's very important to talk about because it is kind of the central element of writing um, about children or writing for children is not writing down to them. But how you do, to some extent, also have to simplify your language depending on the age you're, you're targeting. And you do have to be more streamlined in your story. So where's the balance between writing down to them and streamlining, simplifying, or writing age-appropriate? Uh, I, I totally don't even think about it that way. So, for example, we write Princess in Black, which is for like, like four through 
four, Ten, nine. Yeah, four through eight, eight year olds. And we don't simplify the language. We are aware that if this is a big chunkier word that might be new to them, we make sure the context around it is clear. And we will do the rule of three. We'll repeat it three times. For our middle grade and young adult books, we never simplify language. Um, we we never, the, the whole lexicon is open to you. And um, we know they'll keep reading past it if they don't know. And then maybe it's an opportunity to learn something new, which is great. What, what I focus on instead, and I don't think about simplifying story either. I focus on what matters to the person at this age. And what matters to them is going to be different than what matters to an adult. And it's going to be different than what matters to a different person of that same age. So it's all about character, Mm -hmm. where they are in their life, what matters to them, what's interesting to them, and then write that story. And then likely other people that age who are going through similar experiences and have different similar life perspective are going to be interested in it. So one of the hardest things when I wrote my middle grade series, um, and the place where I misfired the most, which I think has been the biggest holdback of that series, is I got the humor wrong. Um, the feedback I've gotten consistently is that younger kids love the plot but are not at all interested in the humor. And older kids like the humor but feel that the plot is too kiddie. And so the books did not land. Um, the Basically, the conclusion we've come to is their YA humor in a middle grade book, which tends to grab a very narrow select audience of middle grade readers whose uh, sense of humors have matured. Um, do you have any advice on writing humor for younger children? Um, kind of preface this, like, I put a lot of sarcasm in, and it was too subtle. They just thought people were being mean to each other, rather right. than right. thinking, getting the joke. The older kids got the joke. Oh, this is sarcasm. Um, ha, ha, ha. But the younger kids, like, it turned them off. They're like, ooh, they're yeah. all just so mean to each other. Sarcasm's really hard in middle grade. Yeah, for it sure. definitely is. Yeah. I, we've done a lot of comedies. Yeah, we've probably yeah. done... Um, at least half of our, I've, see, I've done 30 plus books. And I would say at least half of them are comedies. Yeah, Squirrel Girl was a comedy. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah for sure. And, yeah. and so is Princess in Black. Princess I mean, in Black, yeah. I would consider a comedy. So um, first of all, just about comedy generally, it's the hardest thing to write. Um, nothing's harder than comedy. Everything would be funny if we were all good enough to write comedy all the time. It would, <laughs> it would be funny because why wouldn't we want to laugh all the time? Um, it's really, really hard to write. And part of the one reason why it's harder, hard to write comedy is everybody has such a different sense of humor. So it's just not going to hit on everybody. Yeah. And I think there's a natural, I think there's an instinct to it. I think that um, the people I know who write comedy for younger readers are just that way naturally. That's just where their brains are. Their headspace is. Well, I think one of the things that that works, I feel like comedy at its root is, is like... Fear. I mean, it's it's like being surprised by something. It's like, oh, you know, it's like unexpected. that. It's an unexpected kind of bam. Yes. You know, whether it's, I mean, sometimes it can be a little more cerebral, but or sometimes it'd be slapstick. But I think when you approach it as doing something that is unexpected, I think yeah. we, I think we get. It's easier sometimes in Princess and Black because we're coming to it with what would be the what would be surprising here yes if everybody thinks it's going to be a bunny and it's a frog you know yeah. it's just that, that kind of everybody mm-hmm. thinks the bunnies are going to be cute and, and actually they're, they're terrifying yeah. Right, monsters right, right. yeah, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of kids oh, go ahead Mm-mm. i just say a lot of kids think that non sequiturs are humor they think mm-hmm. that that's what humor yeah. is because you tell them a joke that has some kind of wordplay in it 
and they won't get that, but they'll think it's hilarious that the ending makes no sense. Yeah. Right. And so when a yeah. four-year-old or a six-year-old tells you a joke, that's the humor is usually, look how much this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no connection between the setup and the punchline. Isn't that funny? What what I found uh, when we were, because we had to write shows that had layers. We had to have humor that was for adults and humor for kids. And the nice thing about doing a live show is that you know where the joke is landing because you can tell who's yeah, laughing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what we found was that kids would respond to physical humor and to the sound of words. Mm-hmm. Like the word petunia mm-hmm. was hilarious <laughs> to them. Tube. Mm-hmm. I don't, ooh sounds were very funny mm-hmm. um, for unknown reasons. Uh, but the other thing is that humor is contextual, and this is true for adults as well. And the problem is that kids don't have as much context. Right. Yeah. So doing a verbal humor is much, much harder for them than than because yeah. they don't have the experiential thing to understand why that's that juxtaposition is off. Whereas physical humor, they do understand the juxtaposition. It's very easy to see this isn't the thing. It's it's they've got a lot more experience with that. So we found that like this it's one of the reasons fart jokes work really well with kids. Toilet humor, it's a context relatable. relatable. <laughs> it's a context that they understand. But it's also constantly changing. So the humor that we would use in Princess and Black for these younger readers is different than what we'd use in middle grade. Yeah. It's different than we use in young adult. And sadly, there's not a lot of humor in young adult. Yeah. Um, people think that the yeah. teens aren't allowed to laugh they anymore. They probably it's very sad. <laughs> didn't think they're allowed to laugh either. <laughs> but in addition to surprise, so unexpected, twisting it, um, also call, call callbacks are yeah. really, yeah. really great. So yeah. actually, they're waiting for that moment when they know that person's going <laughs> to yes. say that line. And then when they do, that's funny, too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a lot of echoing. Um, hum- comedy just takes so much revision. Yeah. Go through it, I mean, yeah. dozens of times just to make sure that you're, every key moment, if I say this here, how can I make it funny later if I echo it in a slightly different way? You yeah. know? And then after the hundredth revision, you're like, is this funny? Yeah. This <laughs> if we're funny? not still laughing yeah. at the hundredth, then we yeah. cut it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a puppeteer who did a, a show that he called The Hello Show. He got tired of, there's a phenomenon, you walk a puppet on stage and some child in the audience is going to go, hello, puppet, <laughs> just like every t- show. And he got he he snapped. Let's be, let's be clear that this is I what has happened. Puppet to snap. Um, and so he had his own small theater, and so he just brought every puppet he owned, and he said, "It's the Hello Show." And he was like, "I'm going to do this show one time, and it'll tank, but it'll just get it out of my system." And he just walked puppets out on stage one at a time, sometimes two at a time. Hello, 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 and it, that was the only word in the show, and. Kids said hello back. The puppets said hello to each other. And the big laugh of the show was when a puppet came out and said, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I've been actually um, writing writing a book with my 10-year-old. More because his brother, 12-year-old, had to write a story for class, and I helped him with it. And the 10-year-old saw that, and he's Uh like, I want to write a book, but I want you to type it. Because that's the hard part. If I could type, then I would be totally oh, able. That's all it takes. And yeah. so yes. um, it's been teaching me a lot about his humor as a 10-year-old, uh, his individual humor. Because he'll sit down and be like, all right, we're going to do this. 
Um, and anything, a mistake happens. Like we type it, uh, uh, something accidentally or something. He laughs, leaves it in and does it four more times. Right. Um, and anytime he's like, you know, um, like we're like, all right, what's the name of this chapter? Chapter 12. And his, uh, brother's like, you want a banana? He's like, chapter, you want a banana? Um, <laughs> and then laughs. And the next one's like, chapter, you want an apple? Um, like yes. he wants to keep the joke running, like the callbacks that you've said. Anytime he's gotten even a chuckle from himself, it ends up going over and over again. And I will reinforce the whole non sequitur thing because yeah. anytime it's like he wants to tell a joke, he's like, all right, what weird thing can they find in here that's not, it gets you know. It's all real yeah. surreal, real mm-hmm. weird, real. This is why books for children are not written by children yeah. mm-hmm. because it, can, it just gets real weird. Real weird, <laughs> real fast. Um, but he also uses, I've noticed he uses a structure. So he's telling a game story about kids who get sucked into a video game. And a video game is basically Minecraft, except you have to do weird things to do all the Minecraft stuff. And having that structure of, I know how you play a game of Minecraft. I know what you do in Minecraft. But in this one, instead of building things way. out of metal, you build it out of dirt. Because <laughs> dirt is a silly thing to build your pickaxe out of. Right. Um, and it's been, it's just been a lot of fun. It's uh, almost as if he's doing world building. I don't yeah. know where he would have gotten mm-hmm. that from, mm-hmm. um, Let's. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Stop for our book of the week. Shannon, you're going to tell us about Best Friends. Speaking of writing books for kids. I love so, this book. Uh, so I decided to write a memoir of my childhood friendships. And it seemed like a really terrible idea. Because I, <laughs> a memoir, who writes a memoir? It's people who do big, important things. And I didn't have that unusual of a childhood, but I I really, my goal was to do, it's a graphic novel, and I wanted to just tell the truth of how it felt to me to be 10, 11, 12. And so I wrote it, and it was called Real Friends, illustrated by Lewin Pham. And it, I've never had a book become so instantly beloved. It blew my mind. I mean, I, you know, you put out a book and you like wait a week or two and you're like, does anybody read it? Does anybody care? Within 24 hours, I was getting emails from people who'd read it 24 times already. I mean, it was just insane. And what I discovered from that was um, kids want you to tell them the truth. Mm. So many adults and parents are trying to protect them. And a story can be a safe place where we can tell kids the truth and they can see how they're feeling mirrored back to them. And it's such a relief. Adults uh, often read this book and they're like, this is too painful. And the kids read it and they're like laughing and enjoying it. And they're like, oh, it's so great. Because it's just like, <laughs> oh, someone showed me how I'm feeling. And even if what happened with me in my childhood is not exactly what's happening with them, the emotions are the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them a story so they feel a certain way and they have felt that way. And then they can see it, not only read it with words, but see it on the page and they feel validated. It's been an amazing experience. So anyway, that one was called Real Friends and Best Friends is the sequel. And Best Friends takes exactly just sixth grade, my sixth grade experience. I want to put in an extra plug for this. Uh, My daughter read Real Friends like 4,000 times. And so this Christmas, we got her best friends and she had finished reading it before we were done opening presents that morning. (laughs) Isn't that insane? And the thing is that I've learned, and some parents have told me that as a way of saying, well, that was a waste of $12, you know, because they read it so fast. They reread it yeah. over and over again. And what's so wonderful about graphic novels, too, is that in the beautiful illustrations that Lei Wen did, is they can examine each page mm-hmm. carefully and they can see, they read at first just the words and they go back and they examine the pictures and they see the nuances and the and the interactions between characters and the expressions. And what I've, my, my hope for it was that kids are, who are going through certain hard times and haven't had the words yet to explain how they feel can take this book and show a, a, an adult and point to point to this panel and say, this is how I feel. Mm. And you're giving them words like writing for kids. I mean, there's nothing better in the world than to think I was able to give my 
this child a way to communicate with someone else how they're feeling and to validate how they're feeling. That was also one of the things, the the literature for kids, whether it's print or graphic novel or, or, or stage, one of the things that I find so exciting about it is the voice that it gives to kids. Yeah. Um, we had multiple times, like we would go and we'd do sh- like Sleeping Beauty. And um, more than once we would have a child, we had a child stand up and say a variation of, um, my dog died and I miss him during the Q&A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not that there was a dog in the show. Right. It was just that. No, we get that every time we do a school visit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that there was an opening. And I, I think that's one of the things for me about writing for children is uh, that the you are inviting them. You're creating a space that is for them, that is safe, and you're inviting them in. And and that invitation allows them to open up and feel like they can share too. Yes. When I, when the most common like fan mail that I would get for for real friends and best friends is not I like this part when it's here's what happened to me. Yeah. You told me your story. Now I want to tell you mine. Yeah. And that's incredibly empowering. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed. Um, about particularly middle grade, uh, YA as well, but particularly middle grade, um, is that um, there is, in the stories, an absence of adult figures, or at least adult figures who are um, controlling the story, right? Um, And I was wondering, you had mentioned in a previous episode that Princess and Black, there are just no adults, right? Um, And a lot of the great middle grades, there just are no adults. Or if they are adults, it's the adults like Dumbledore, who for some reason can't be involved. Yeah, every Um, time there's some reason. (laughs) Um, So I guess the question is, why is this? What do you feel about this? Um, And is this an important part of the genre? Has this become a little bit too much of a cliche in the case of things like Dumbledore? How's it going, Dan? Uh, So... As I was studying horror, when I accidentally became a horror author. Um, <laughs> I hate when that happens. One of, the, one of the principles of horror that somebody explained to me was that uh, adults have control over their lives. And so what scares us is when we lose that control. And for kids, I think it's the opposite. Kids mm. don't have a lot of control over their lives. And so suddenly giving them control, that's what scares them. And that's what forces them into conflict and adventure. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I think um, as soon as you have a mom in the story, it just changes the whole dynamic. There's someone there to protect you. There's someone there to make decisions for you. I mean, fairy tales, what they are, is an excuse to get kids away from parents. Like like almost every fairy tale, that's what they're doing. They kill the parents. They lock them away somewhere. They do something so the kid is on their own. Um, so basically, yeah, it, I mean, it's a, it's a story device so that the kid can be the protagonist, the one driving the action. Um, there have been times in, in books, like I wrote a book called Dangerous, where um, I was like, I want the teenager to have a good relationship with her parents <laughs> and have them be present. Can I pull this off? And I I managed, but she, there were times where I was like, she's she's got to go on her own now. There, she's got to, or the story's not going to go anywhere. So um, I... You don't uh, want it to be tired. No, no. I enjoyed writing the parents. Oh, we did the same thing with Squirrel and Girl. Squirrel Girl. Yeah. yeah. We wanted her to have a good relationship with her parents. Right. And it's tricky to because, I mean, you don't want them to remove the tension that exists by yeah. just simply being there. And solving all her problems for right. her. Right. But you don't want them to be jerks or like, you right. know, like just sort of flat nothing people. Yeah. And so it's tricky to get somebody that you like, like a supporting character that you like, that doesn't derail the tension of, you know, the... 
in that circumstance, I think what we did is just say, they think she's cool. Yeah, and they no matter trust what. her. <laughs> they think she's just, she's as awesome. They know she's as awesome as she is. And there are certain things that she can do that they cannot. And they're like, we're worried about you, but be careful. We love you. We'll make some cake for you when you get back. <laughs> yeah. Defeating Hydra. That's right. <laughs> How awesome would that be? Yeah, and they yeah. have and they have kids. And so they're a big part of why she is as awesome yes. as she is. Yes. Because you know just like Mom and Pa Kent, we're a big part of exactly. why Superman is exactly. Awesome. Yeah. We are out of time. Oh, there's so many things we could say. <laughs> I'm gonna give us the homework, uh, you guys the homework this time. And I'm going to suggest you do what I've been doing with my 10-year-old is find a younger relative or um a friend and Type out what they tell you for a story for a little while. Uh, we talked about how there's a reason why kids don't write stories for kids, but I think I have learned way more about the way my son's humor works and the way he sees story and what excites him by just letting him tell me a story and me typing it out. And he loves the idea that he can now take this and share with people because my 10-year-old's dyslexic, so writing is really hard for him. Mm -hmm. But now he has a story that he has written. Um, and so give this a try. See if it teaches you anything about writing for children by having a child write for you. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.